Go ahead and keep your Bibles open there to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time camping out in that text this morning. Um, as It's a launching off place for a great deal of what we're going to talk about. But I, I want us to talk this morning about thankfulness and what it really means to be thankful. And, and to think about why are we thankful and to who are we thankful towards? If, if you've been in many of my Bible classes, you have probably heard me make a statement kind of like this. We're not very good at being thankful. And when I say that, I, I almost hate to say it, but, but I, it just keeps coming into my mind on, on many, many times. We're not very good at being thankful. And, and by that, I don't mean that we're a bunch of ingrates, okay? I, I, I don't mean that. I, I just mean that well, we're not very good at expressing our thankfulness. We're not comfortable with actually expressing thankfulness. It's not that we're opposed to being thankful, quite the opposite, right? We, we believe that we ought to be thankful. That's probably why those words always strike us a little bit strangely. We, we believe that thankfulness is a good thing. We want to be thankful people. Our smallest children, what, what do we teach them? These are the magic words, right? What are they? Please and thank you, right? And there's a Barney song that's like going off in my head right now. I mean, that's, we, we teach that to our smallest children. Here in a few weeks, we will have an entire national holiday all centered around the idea that we ought to be a thankful people. So it's not that we don't believe in thankfulness. It's not that we don't think it's a really good thing. It's not that we don't understand it even as a Christian principle. I'm just saying, my observation is, we're not typically very good at actually doing it. You want proof of that? Sit in almost any Bible class. And at the beginning of that Bible class, what kind of people are in Bible class? But for the most part, you're thinking you got your, your more godly people, right? Right? I mean, that's why you're in Bible class, because you see some value in approaching God and revering His Word and studying His Word, right? And, and so you, you're, you're there with people who, do they believe in God? That they, they acknowledge God's great greatness? And, and you begin a lot of classes traditionally with a word of prayer and and you start off with our prayer requests. And let me just tell you, the list goes on and on and on. Does it not? Because we got a lot of problems. We got a lot of sickness. We got a lot of disease. We got a lot of strife. We got a lot of things that we face every day in our life that are beyond us. And we want God to intervene in our lives. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. We ought to spend more time going to God asking for His wisdom and for His strength and for His boldness, right? Because life is bigger than me. But regardless, we have no problem at all spending a great deal of time asking God for those things. But a couple years ago, I just, I, I, I just started asking the question. I heard someone that, that did this, and here's the question. So what are we thankful for tonight? What's the response? Well, that, that's it. Yeah, you guys got it. 
I mean, that's typically what happens. We just kind of like look at each other and it's like, well, I know I'm thankful. And then, and then in my classes, I'll kind of prod the class a little bit and somebody will raise their hand. I'm just thankful to be alive. Amen. <laughs> right? Me too. I can agree with that statement. But what, what about beyond that? See, this is my a thought about, about that. That we're comfortable, with, we're comfortable with praising God and giving God the glory in, in the, the really in the big picture of life. I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be on, on this side of the ground, right? Lots of different ways that people will try to phrase that idea. I'm just thankful that God is and God is allowing me to be. Do not hear me as saying that's a bad thing to be thankful for. But do hear me when I say, I think we need to be a lot more comfortable expressing thankfulness to God, not just in that big picture of life, but maybe even more so when it comes to the little things of life. Forgiving God the glory when it comes to everything in our life. Deuteronomy chapter 8 it's the chapter, it's the verse that always comes into my mind whenever we struggle, whenever we struggle to express thankfulness. Now, you guys remember this is Deuteronomy. This is the, the, the second Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. And, and what, what we're reading about is God preparing a people to go into the promised land. This is what it's going to be like when we go into the land. And we've, we've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of our lack of faith. But now we're finally coming to the edge of, of that promised land. And I just want to talk about what it's going to be like. What sort of relationship are we going to have with God going forth? If you don't have your Bible open, do, do, do Deuteronomy chapter 8, because this is not all going to be on the screen. I want you to see this in, in your own Bible. So let, let's just start with verse 1. I'm just going to read through a great chunk of this. All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you should be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You ought to do what God tells you to do. Keep the law, right? We, we would expect nothing less from a holy God. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. Th this idea that, that, that God says, I want you to think, I don't just want you to reflect back upon this last year. I don't want you just to reflect back upon these last 40 years. It's not that there's anything wrong with doing that. We, we, we do that quite often, don't we? Don't we? I mean, especially we think about New Year's and we'll think back about the, the year that was or, or maybe the last decade. I mean, they're very helpful things and kind of enjoyable to do. But he says... I want you to think back upon that time and I want you to think about the place that God has, has, about the role that God has played in your life. Don't just think about, Thomas, what you did in this last year. I want you to think about what God did in your life this last year. That's a whole different conversation, isn't it? That's a whole other level. I want you to think back about these last 40 years because God's been trying to teach you something. I don't know if you got it or not, 
But God's been trying to teach you something. He's been trying to humble you, to mold your heart. Verse 3, He humbled you and He let you be hungry. And He fed you with manna which your fathers did not know, nor did your fathers understand, that He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quotes those words when He stands before Satan Himself, right? I want us to understand that those words, in their context, they're not just about, well, they're not just about bread, and they're not just about Bible study. Sometimes we hear those, I mean, you can make the point about how we ought to be dependent upon the Word of God, but in their context, that is a statement that says we should just be depending on God for everything. And I hope that that's what you got out of the last 40 years. I hope that, that, that that's what you got when you had to go out and be fed supernaturally through the manna every single day. We depend on God. He is the source. Don't just be thankful in general. You be thankful to God. You acknowledge that God is the one who gave you these good things that sustained you. Your clothing. Your clothing did not wear out. It's reminiscent of, of what Jesus would talk about in the Sermon on the Mount, right? In Matthew chapter 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. All what things? Well, all the context. He's been talking about, about our necessities, the, our, our clothing, our food, our shelter. You follow God, and He'll take care of, of making sure you have the things that you need. That you'll have those necessities. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and your clothing did not wear out. One of the great miracles of the wilderness wanderings, isn't that it? That their clothing didn't wear out? I, I, you know what, I, I, got a couple, I guess I'm getting older because I got a couple shirts in my closet and I think back to when I got that shirt and I, I have clothes that are older than my children. And I got a 15-year-old, so that's getting up there, right? I pulled out a shirt the other day. I know I had it in college. So that's 20 years. I mean, that, that's really doing something, right? A couple of you have got some clothes that are even older than that. I know, I've seen them, okay? But 40 years. And by the way, they weren't living in climate-controlled environments where these things were kept in a cedar chest and they were... They were wandering in the wilderness. I don't have any work clothes that are 20 years old, right? I don't have those clothes that I wore. I got up and I just, I worked every day in them. God says for 40 years, your clothing didn't wear out. One of the great miracles of the wanderings. Give God glory for that. I want you to acknowledge, man, this sure is a good shirt. Yeah. It's a good shirt because God made it that way. But, but listen, to, listen to what he says. Your clothing did not wear out. This just strikes me as odd. Nor did your feet swell these 40 years. I mean, you, you, you want it, it, It's not just their clothes. He's talking about the fact that, that they could be healthy, that, that their feet didn't swell, that, that, that their shoes didn't wear out. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, isn't that something that we would consider a very small thing? Anybody ever have your feet swell up? 
I mean, that, I mean, typically you don't think, well, this is just like the spiritual experience of my life, right? I'm hoping that, that that's probably not, not what you think. That's what he brings out. So when I say that God is not just that God that we thank for the big picture, I'm just thankful that I'm here. Yes, I'm thankful that I'm here, and I'm thankful that my, that my feet aren't swollen up. Who do, I give, who do I give credit to for that? Something as small as that. What's the answer? God, right? I mean, th- this is what he's saying. Thus you know, thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you, and just as a man disciplines his son, Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Why am I taking a moment to talk to you about thankfulness? Why am I taking a moment to talk to you about not, about not giving God glory for the good things in your life? Because I am about to bless you I'm about to bless you in a way that most people are never blessed. I'm about to bless you not just spiritually, I'm about to bless you physically. That's where the test is. This is where every one of our faiths are going to be tests, are going to be tested. I heard heard a missionary once that was talking about about tests of God, and that's what he's even even uses that sort of terminology as he goes through here. But but he talked about the test of persecution that would come upon the church, and and he said, you know, surprisingly enough, most people when they face a test of great persecution, most Christians that I know, they pass that test. Hey, you can you 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 can you can curse God, or I'm or I'm going to shoot you dead. You might as well pull the trigger. I'm not going to curse God, right? But he went on to say, but far fewer people have been able to pass the test of possessions. They do something to our heart. I'm about to bless you. Wonderful. Do we all want to be blessed? You can raise one hand. You can raise two hands. Who wants a raise at work? Right? I mean, I mean we, we, we get that. But to understand that every time... Every time that we're blessed physically, it creates an obstacle that has to be overcome in relationship to our our relationship with God. That's the truth, okay? And that's part of the reason that that the New Testament in particular speaks of, of these obstacles so often. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I'm about to bring you into a good land. We are blessed to live in the United States of America. Do we have a very unique problem here? That people from all over the world want to come here? I mean, in spite of what you see on the news and people saying this is a terrible place, and, you know, I, I was, I've been in a couple of foreign countries and, and you watch foreign news about the United States, and it's not very flattering at times, okay? But can I tell you what? People still want to come here. Right? I mean, we're still having to have conversations. Do we build a wall? Do we not build a wall? Why? Because people want to come here. It's a good place to be. That's where, we're, that's where we live. Most of you were blessed to even be born in this place. Praise God for that. But understand, I've got a very unique challenge because of that. I'm about to bring you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs 
flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you shall eat food without scarcity, in which you shall not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and whose hills you can dig copper. I'm about to bring you in to this great, great place to live. I'm about to bring you into a place where you've got blessings that many people throughout throughout the world, they just don't have. Certainly, Israel had never had these things before. Now they're about to have these things. I'm bringing you into this land. So when you have eaten and you are full, when you sit back and you say, look at everything that we have, when you were eaten and full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Don't just sit back and say, isn't it wonderful to live where I live? That's like sitting back and saying, well, let me just look at my life. No, I want to look at my life and I want to see the hand of God in my life. I want to say, isn't it wonderful to be where I am and to have what I have? And I want to understand where it came from. I need to praise God for those things. I need to give Him glory because it is the Lord your God who has given us those good things. That's what He's saying to them. Think about God. We, we get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving and we, we, I think a lot about family, right? I think a lot about food, right? John, you know what you're eating two, uh, one week from Thursday, don't you? You got a pretty good idea. You know who you're going to eat with, don't you? Right? We think about those things. But do I think about God? Do I think about God is it a spiritual thankfulness where I acknowledge the creator and the sustainer of all the universe? Beware, he says in verse 11. I'm, I'm trying to warn you. Beware lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes which I am commanding you today. How could you ever forget about God? Can I tell you that the more that you have and, and the more blessings that, that, that you have in your life and the more things that you have going on in your life, the easier it is to forget about God. Because we just get busy. We just get wrapped up in ourselves. We just think, well, this is the way it has always been. This is the way that it's supposed to be. Right? Our, our standards of what is a, you know, a minimal expectation, have they not risen? I mean, they've risen in my life, right? I know some of you can reflect. They, they have risen, and we just forget. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart becomes proud. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Did you ever start a new job that you were so thrilled to have? I mean, it was more money than you had ever made in your life. 
And you didn't really care what it was they wanted you. You were just glad to be there. I mean, I can't believe that they're going to pay me X amount of dollars for doing this. You ever have that job for like five years or ten years? And then all of a sudden you're making the same amount of money, but you're, but you're saying, they want me to do what? I can't believe they asked me to do these things. That's unreasonable. That's not fair. It ever happened to anybody? Well, why did, I know it happens probably more often than we'd like to admit. Why? It's not because we don't have the same blessings. We just forget that they're blessings. We start to think that they're owed to us. We start to think that we are deserving of those things. Someone ought to acknowledge our grandness. He says, beware. Beware that you don't forget about where these things come from. He, verse 15, He led you through great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock, and in the wilderness He fed you manna which your fathers did not know, that He might humble you and that He might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, stay with me, otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. The temptation to say that I am what I am because of what I have done. The temptation to say I worked harder than everybody else. The temptation to say, well, I put in the time, I put in the energy, I put in the effort. I am a self-made man. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I read about something that might apply to a lot of people in a lot of different places, but I think that that's a verse and that's a warning that ought to speak to us as Americans very boldly. Lest you say, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. It is not to downplay hard work or a work ethic. We've talked about those things even in recent weeks. Those are godly principles. That's what godly men and women do. Right? One of, one of the reasons that we have been blessed, I think, is, is, is by carrying out many of those godly principles over the last 200 years of, of our nation. But let us be very careful that even as we work hard and we are diligent and we are industrious, that we don't believe that we just have what we have because of who we are. Because there are people all over this world who work hard and are diligent and, are, and who are industrious who don't have what we have. Is that true? I always think about my grandfather. I guess for a good chunk of his life, he was a, he was a sharecropper. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about sharecroppers, but I think they didn't have much. They would tell me stories, and I would think, how did you like, make it through the winter? It didn't even sound like a possibility. But they, that's just the way they existed. I was thinking about people that worked really hard. I think about people that probably worked harder every day than I work. I try to work pretty hard, okay? But I do not go out and break my back every single day just to have something to eat. I don't, I don't have to do that. I'm blessed in that way. Many of you are too. He worked very, very hard, had nothing. I work hard, but not as hard as him. I have so much more. We need to take a moment and look at what we have and realize, listen... What you have has a whole lot more to do with God than it has to do with you. But I'm warning you about this because, because you, you Israel, 
you Christians today have this flesh that likes to believe this is about me. And when I believe it's about me, I'm not thankful. When I believe it's about me, I don't thank you for doing something. Right? If I think that I've paid for lunch, I don't go up to Thomas and say, Thomas, thank you for, thank you for lunch today. I don't do it. Why? Because I paid for it. I did that. It's only when I realize, you know what, I think Thomas had more to do with that than I'm giving him credit for. That I go back, you can buy me lunch if you want, that I go back and, just an idea, suggestion, but that, 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 I, that I go back and, and I say thank you to him. This is what he's warning Israel about, but it, it's so direct when we think about thankfulness today. You shall remember, you shall remember, we're talking about clothing, feet swelling, beautiful scenery, waters of brooks, wheat and barley, olive and honey, food without scarcity, iron and copper, houses that we will live in. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Oh, I love that verse because it just takes it up a whole nother notch, right? The things that you do that maybe no one else can do, you do. God's the one. God's the one who gave you that ability, right? Sandy, I've seen some of your engineering work. Nobody, want, nobody wants me to be their engineer, okay? They just don't, okay? Bill, do they want to hire me as an engineer? No, they do not. Sandy was much better. But you know what? Most of us are saying that. He can do work that, I, that, that you can't do. Who gave you that ability? I know you worked hard. I know you went to school. I know you put in hours, but in a lot of hours, right? But to say, man, this is God who gives me this ability. Right? I mean, I mean up here, we, we got, I mean, I pick on math, but Thomas is a math teacher. Who, who, who wants to go into Valdosta, Valdosta High School and teach, and teach advanced statistics? Not me. Maybe not you. But you're capable, Right? But who, who gives you the ability to, to work with numbers? So some of you that, 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 do, that do things with, 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 with your hands. I know who to call. I know who to call when there's, when there's a project that we need somebody to work with their hands. I know who not to call too. Who gave you that ability? I mean, on and on we could go. It's not that you don't work hard. It's not that you don't achieve. But you, you come back to say, but it's God who has even given you the ability to make wealth. Some of you are wonderful with people. Some of you are wonderful with science. Some of you are wonderful with, with, with teaching others. Work in those things. But understand, I want to praise God because He is the one from whom all these blessings flow. That's what He was trying to warn the Israelites about. This is the beginning of, God, of being a godly person. A person who sees the hand of God, not just in the big things of life, but a person who is comfortable looking at the little things of life, all the way down to that, to that shirt that I still have 40 years later, and we, and we say, I want to praise God for that. All the way down to the fact that my back isn't hurting, I want to praise God for that. All the way down to, to the little things of life that we almost feel silly praising God for, and he says, nope, I'm right there in those things too. When we get that, 
when we get that, we are on the path to truly being godly people because we see God in everything in our life. Go in your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, he's writing about a godless people, right? He's writing about a people who have abandoned God and they've ignored the evidence that, that ought to have been clear and, and plain before them. So they're without excuse. And listen to the way that he describes them in verse 21. Because he says, although they knew God, it wasn't that God was a foreign thing to them. They didn't glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. But they became futile in their thoughts and in their foolish hearts. They were darkened. So one way that I describe people who don't glorify Him as God are just the people who fail to be thankful to God. I can say all day long that I believe that God ought to be glorified, but if I fail to do it, if I fail to actually say, He's the one... He's the one that these good things are coming from. I want to worship Him. I want to praise Him. That's the beginning of godlessness. But holiness and righteousness comes from this attitude that says, I want to continually praise God for every good thing in my life because that's where it came from. Isn't that what James says in James 1 and verse 17? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights within whom there is no variation or shadow of turning to, to understand this came from God. So when you ask the question, what are you thankful for? What do you have good? What do you have good in your life? I am glad that I'm here today. I'm glad that I'm alive. I want to praise God for that. Can I take a minute just to praise God that I have a suit of clothes? Can I praise God? I mean, whether I'm, whether I'm eating at my favorite restaurant or, or we're getting four for fours at Wendy's. I mean, can I, can I praise God for that? I, I'm serious. I'm not talking about just like going through them. I'm talking about seriously just taking a moment to say, God. God's the one. When I look at people that are in my life, when I look at my, at, my, at my wife, when I look at my children, when I look at my parents, when I look at my grandpa, can I say, God? That doesn't mean I have nothing to do with any of it. God is the one. Because those are the good things. If it's good, it came from God. That's what James is saying. So look around and say, what is good? Are you glad that you're, that you're sitting in on, a, on a pew and, and instead, of some old, instead of some old uncomfortable bench? Are you glad about that? Praise God for it. Thank God for it. Are you glad that you have a car that runs? Don't get caught up in the kind of car you don't have. Are you glad you have a car that runs? Sometimes when I'm driving around town, now listen, my car's got some issues, okay? I had to do some work on it the other day, Donnie. And, you know, I worked on it. I bought a roll of black duct tape and some super glue. That's how I fixed my car the other day, okay? So I got issues. And sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I don't have this. I don't have that. And I'll be driving along, and I'll see somebody else driving a car that I got rid of a decade ago because it was a piece of junk. And what, what happened? I forgot. I forgot, man, I'm blessed. Let me, let me praise God. No, doesn't mean I don't want more. doesn't mean I don't want... But I want to praise God for what I have. If it's good, I want to praise God for it. 
on and on and on. This is, this is why you need to have this conversation, right? Th- th- this is why holidays like Thanksgiving, it's not in the Bible, but the principles there can be such a great opportunity for us not just to say, I have all these things and I'm glad I have these things, but rather to say, I have all these things and I am grateful that God has given me these things. There is a world of difference in those two positions between I'm glad that I have these things and I praise God for delivering these things. And that's what he wanted Israel to understand. Ephesians 5 and verse 20 says of the Christian life that we should be giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. This ought to be a regular part of our conversation I just want to be that person who's always giving thanks to God. I'm just grateful to God for these things. We could think about the physical things of our life, but I want to take one, one more step, and then, and then the lesson will be yours. I want to talk about our spiritual blessings. That if we were honest, especially those of you who have heard the invitation more times than you will ever count, are just as easy to take for granted as the, as the physical blessings are. Because I just heard it over and over. All my life I've heard it. Except through un, unnumbered numbers. Numbers of times have been invited to come, heard about Jesus and His blood and His sacrifice. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul says, I will never ever forget that there is every reason in the world that I should not be right with God. I have every reason in the world to not have confidence in my eternal salvation, to not have confidence in my, in my walk with Christ. I was a blasphemer. I was an insolent man. I was the one who was taking people out of places like this and hauling them into prison and throwing rocks at their head for doing what you guys are doing right now. That's who he was. So when I stand up here and I say, I am a Christian, and I have a home in heaven, and I have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hey, I understand. That's, that's about God. And I'm not going to fail to give Him glory for that. It's not I am what I am because of everything that I've done. No, it's what Paul understood. I am what I am by the grace of God. When I get that, I'll be thankful to Him. If I don't get it, I'll never be thankful to Him. I'll just be convinced of my own self-righteousness. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. That wasn't just an invitation made to Saul. That's an invitation made to every man, to whoever has ears to hear. You, listen to me, you can be a spiritual giant. You can be one of the great soldiers of the cross. You can be in that hall of faith 
whether it be in Hebrews chapter 11 or just throughout life, you can be that person. There's nothing holding you back. And the reason that there's nothing holding you back from that is because of what Christ has already done. So He invites you to come, to repent of your sins, which He already knows about. He invites you to be immersed, to have those sins washed away. Not earning your salvation. Who would ever think that you could earn your salvation by just going through a ritual of man? But to come in obedience to Him and to be washed in His blood. That's the invitation to come back home because you've been running for too long to bring your burdens before Him. That is the dwelling place of every single spiritual blessing which are immense. And He invites us to come and partake. Let us never lose sight of the source of every good and perfect thing. Let us worship Him and let us follow after Him. Let that begin this morning by you responding as we stand and as we sing.